0: Father, we thank you today for the challenge that you're going to bring us. And Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for my brothers and sisters, that that God, you would just, Lord, you would draw our hearts right now close to your heart. And Lord, as James is uh, admonishing and uh, his generation as he's talking to the church uh, there at the first uh, century church, Lord, I pray again, we would heed what's being said. That we wouldn't just read words, we wouldn't just relegate it to, uh, you know, some Bible passage or, or some guy, you know, a couple thousand years ago. But we would stop and think, where are we at today? And Lord, as we're in the midst of something unusual in our lives, something a little bit different, I pray that we could glean from your word on ways to cope with what we're going through. And we would trust you more and rely on you more. So I pray you would bless this time, God, again, and that ultimately you would get the glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so once again, James chapter 4, verse 1. I don't know if you guys can even remember where we were at when before we weren't able to meet together and if you remember we were back in Galatians chapter 5 and in Galatians chapter 5 we were looking at the whole aspect of of the church biting and devouring and coming against each other and you know what here's what sort of blows my mind the church at Galatia was working and suffering from that the churches that James is writing to were suffering from that and you know what we're suffering from that. Conflict has been going on since this guy named Cain killed Abel. And we've had it ever since. And, and you know, some psychologists and different, different people, philosophies try and figure out what causes this. Why Why is there conflict? Why are these things happening? Well, James is going to answer that and I don't want to give it away, but hey, there are conflicts, even in the book of James. So far, James has talked about the conflicts between the, the rich versus the poor as you come together in church in chapter two, and church fights for position in chapter one, and, and, and wars and speaking evil of one another again in chapter three. So listen, this goes on and on. Hey, how many people, I hear people all the time say, man, I wish I could have been part of that first century church. It was so awesome. Have you read your Bible? Every letter is a letter of correction and telling people things they're doing wrong. So guess what? Flesh is flesh, whether you're in the first century, whether you're in the 21st century, whether you're in the United States of America, or whether you're in Bangladesh someplace, flesh is flesh, and we have to deal with it. So James is going to teach us how to deal with it. Look at verse 1. He asks the question that we just asked, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? So here's what he's saying. Where do these disagreements, these conflicts come from? Now, it is interesting. He uses two words here uh, as, as the things he's talking about, and it's interesting the different translations that that, uh, uh, translate those two words uh, a little bit different. New King James says wars and fights. New American Standard says quarrels and conflicts. And the NIV says uh, fights and quarrels. So, hey, they are two different words. The first word that's translated wars are kind of talking about the ongoing conflict happening. And some people say it's dealing with national things. I'm not so sure James is concerned with national uh, uh, wars that are going on. I think he's concerned about church. And there are ongoing things that go on in the church, because why, because we are here that 's why, and so there 's the ongoing and then and then the fights are the little skirmishes one after another that, that are happening within the ongoing conflict so here 's what he 's saying, why do these why do these happen? Where do they come from among you he says hey don 't they come from each one? each one has a desire for pleasure. And that wars with your members or at war, or that war in your members. He's not talking about members as members of the body, he's talking about members of this physical body. And we have this saying, and, and listen, man, it's about seeking pleasure first. We get the word pleasure, our, our word for that, it, what we get from that original Greek word, is hedonism. Or some people say hedonism, I think hedonism sounds better. But it's a philosophy that pleasure seeking should be the primary goal of humans. Or number two, the practice of seeking the maximum pleasure. That kind of sounds like the world today, doesn't it? I'm not talking about right now during this virus, but overall, we kind of have that whole thing. And then another thing that goes along with hedonism is narcissism, and that's an excessive love or absorption of oneself or uh, the psychological and emotionally, emotional centering of one's own interests and gratification. Now, we hear those words a lot when we talk about, about modern society, and here's what James says. Where does all the conflict come from? It comes from us being self-centered, from us wanting pleasure and all we think about is pleasure, pleasing myself, from, from me being consumed with myself. You guys have heard me say, I'm always on my mind. And I think we're all that way to, to the degree. Now, now listen, you can go to the complete opposite extreme and say, well, you know, the godly person would have no pleasure whatsoever. Well. I think God created us to have pleasure, and I think He gave us things to have pleasure. I think He gave us good coffee so we would have pleasure and, and we could we could enjoy it. Now it's bad when the coffee begins to, to to possess you. Hey, He gave us good food. I love to eat. I was I was listening to somebody, and they go, Hey, there are those who eat to live, and then there's those who live to eat. I'm I I I love food. I love good food. I even love some bad food. You know, I I have a note up here talking about. Spanish. And, and when I get up here to teach, I, and I don't even like spam, but I get up here to teach and I'm thinking, this is about spam email, but spam's there and I'm thinking, I think I could eat some spam right now. So some of us, listen, some of us, we just, we, and, and so listen, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong even with having nice things, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. So I don't want you to get the idea that, you know, you have to walk around with a somber face and not enjoy anything. Uh, God created us that that we could enjoy things that he gave us and things that he created. But then he says this in verse 2, you lust and you do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, there's those two words again kind of in reverse order, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it on your pleasures. So as as James gets a little bit more involved here, listen carefully, he says, man, listen, he says, you lust and you do not have you murder and covenant covet and you cannot contain you fight and war. Listen, this is a thing that goes on, and he says, Hey, you're you're trying to get something, and you're trying to fulfill that void that is in your life with all of these external things, and he says, And it never works, even as Christians. Hey, as believers, there's times where we do not, and we're gonna read in a minute, we we don't focus on the Lord and we begin to focus on self and we begin to get self-absorbed and we blow it. And I believe, listen, I believe that's where a lot of church splits come from. I think that's where a lot of church arguments come from. That's where we start bickering and fighting. And he goes, it's all because you're thinking of pleasure, of self and you don't like what somebody has, you don't like what God's done with somebody, you're not happy with what's going on in, 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 in their life, because why? Because you covet what they have, and you can't fulfill that. Listen, he says, man, you go after those things, and he says, and you still don't have it. Remember in John chapter four, when Jesus went to the woman at the well? I love that story. I love the whole interaction of Jesus going going, and, and meeting with this woman. And, and remember, his, his, uh, the apostles had gone off to do something and I, I, at the end, I'm getting ahead, but at the end they come back and they're a little freaked out like, number one, man, why are you talking to a woman And number two, why are you talking to a Samaritan? I love that whole thing. So you can read the whole thing for homework, but in John chapter four, picking it up in verse 10, Jesus is at the well with this woman, and hey, they're interacting, and they're talking about getting water, and then it tells us in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So listen, man, he's challenging her a little bit. And the woman says to him in verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? See, she's a little bit confused because she's thinking of physical water. Just like a lot of us, we're, we're focused on the physical and and, and she's asking in that and, and Jesus says to her, or I'm sorry, she says to Jesus, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Then Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life listen you can go after all these things and you can't get no satisfaction Mick Jagger said that and it's not going to fulfill you and you need to understand you've got to find your contentment your joy your peace your pleasure in Jesus Christ and when we find it in Jesus, all the other things, listen, I, I believe in my life, once I came to the Lord, the other things that I used to look at to try and find and fulfill, now they became things that I can enjoy and I can use and I can, I can have joy with them. Why? Because number one, I can hold them a little bit looser because I don't really care if I lose them because I got Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have everything. In Philippians, when Paul's having that conversation and he talks about, listen, he talks about I've had a whole bunch of things and I've had nothing. But the one thing I've learned is I'm gonna find my contentment in Jesus. That's all all paraphrased. But listen, man, he's saying, where do we get contentment? We find it in Christ, not in these other things. So where do these wars come from? Why do we lust and why do we covet and why do we murder and why do we do those things? because we're not drawing near to God. Listen as he goes on. At the end of verse two, he says this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask and you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Again, Jesus is talking about here. There's, there's, I think there's two camps he's talking about. There are those who, I don't need to pray about it. And I, you know, I know some people, some people they don't pray and I'm not talking about praying just to to have that relationship with the Lord. I'm talking about some people, man. They just don't pray. They don't pray about anything. And then there's other people who they think God is at their beck and call and he has to do whatever they demand of him. Now, I believe in prayer and I I believe God wants to be involved in our lives. I believe, listen, I believe it's okay to ask God anything. I have a good friend that hassles me sometimes because, hey, I've asked God at times, say, hey, what should I wear today? What socks should I put on? What should I do? And, and, and this friend of mine goes, seriously? I, I, he always hassles me. You really think God cares what socks you have on? And I said, well, I think so because I think he cares about me. And then I asked my friend, so is your God so big and so busy and so preoccupied that he doesn't have time to care about your socks, and then we have a long discussion on theology. But I think God does care. And I think a lot of us we don't have things because we don't bother to ask God. We don't bother to communicate with him. We don't bother to talk to him. And we don't pray and we don't we don't we don't ask God about about even the little things because I believe he's concerned about every detail of our life. And I think we should be people who are interacting with him over all kinds of aspects of our life. And then listen, and then then he says, listen, but there's the other camp that says you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, there are those, and it doesn't seem as popular as it was in the 80s and early 90s, but there's the name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it, whatever you wanna call it. The people who used to, they, they demand things of God. You need to understand something. God is not at our beck and call. God is not our servant. We're his servants. And we get that so flipped around at times. Listen, I think when we're asking God selfishly, we're gonna get in trouble. When we're asking him to do something because we think he owes us, that's where you're gonna get into trouble. When we're looking at Nehemiah Thursday night, we were talking about that. God doesn't owe us anything but everlasting punishment. So we need to be careful when we do that. And and then some people tell me, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. I believe God answers every prayer we pray. But when he says no, we don't hear that. We're like kids, man. And God says no, and we go, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, he did. He said no. And sometimes he says, wait, wait. But I think oftentimes he just says flat out no, and we don 't like that. I remember when we were when I were out on Hereford Road, the church, and wanting I wanted to move into town to be more accessible to to the youth and and uh, to kids and and that ministry out there was a little bit hard for them to get to. I thought man if we 're in town it 'll be easier for the youth to get to us and stuff and, and so I, I would go find property and, and I would pray and and oftentimes I'd say, Well, God's not answering my prayer. Well he was, he was saying no. And I think most of us can testify of great times when God said no and protected us from something. He was looking out for us, but in the moment we're thinking, God, you'd be so mean. Why don't you answer my prayer? I did, I said no. And then I think of where we ended up, man, it blows my mind because I think if you dropped a pin on a map of Sierra Vista, this would be as close to the center as you could get. God has blessed us tremendously. So we need to wait on him. So listen, you don't ask or you don't have because you don't ask. And number the second reason is because you ask because you want to spend it on your pleasures. Now, again, I don't want us to get all judgmental with people who enjoy things. It's okay. People can have nice things and it's okay. Here's what I think goes on. Somebody gets something nice and we get jealous and covetous about what they have and then we start bad-mouthing them. Now we're back to verse two, right? Now why do you war and fight? Because you covet what somebody else has. I remember several years ago, Gaynell and I bought a new vehicle and, and someone came up in the church and they go, man, it must be nice. Well, if you've been part of our church very long, you know me and I'm kind of blunt. And when they came up and said, Man, it must be nice. Here's what I said. Yeah, it is. Listen, man, we shouldn't be judging people for what people have. It's not up to us. Number one, people are not our servants. They're the Lord's servants. They have to answer to him. And I I would hope that people have prayed about what they have and and, uh, prayed and talked to the Lord about it. And then, hey, it's not up to me. I don't care what you have, and I'm not gonna look at you, and I'm not gonna judge you if you have something nice, and, and, and uh, you know, I kinda think, well, oh, that's, kinda, that's kinda, you shouldn't be doing that. I remember years ago hearing of somebody who went to a church, and they were driving a really nice BMW. The pastor got up, and he said, you know what, man, if you're driving a really nice car, like, and it just came out of his head, like a BMW, He acted like there was sin going on. And that person said they sat and waited till everybody left the parking lot to go get in their car because they didn't want to get judged. Now, the interesting thing is that BMW cost that person nothing because they worked for BMW. And we got to be careful when we judge people and we get that way. Listen, it's none of your business. And that's what James is talking about here. He goes, Hey, why are you doing this? Because you covet, because you lust, because you want what somebody else has. And then he says, Listen now, hey, this is this, James is going to slap us in the face. James isn't pulling any punches here. Look at verse four. Adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, I know our translation, the New King James says, adulterers and adulteresses, but the original just has adulteresses. And and some people get kind of uptight because as males, we wouldn't be adulteresses. We would be adulterers. But listen. Aren't we the bride of Christ as a church? Yeah, and here's what he's saying. You're committing adultery with God when you go after the things of the world. Now, once again, what are the things of the world when he says you go after that? I think way too many of us kind of think of material things, and we think of things like maybe cars or houses or you know nicer things, nice clothes, whatever, and we begin to judge, and then pretty soon you become like the, like the Amish, and you just wear black clothes, and you don't have any zippers because zippers are sin and you gotta, wear, you gotta wear buttons and you gotta do this and you gotta do that and you begin and hey, that's crazy. He's not talking about externals. He's not talking about the hat. He's talking about the heart. And he says, listen, man, when you make friendship with the world, what's he talking about the world? Once again, he's not talking about material things. He's talking about the world system that hates God. And when you begin to fall into that system and you begin to go in that direction, he goes, you know what? You're committing adultery on your savior. I mean, to me, that's intense. When, when James says that, that kinda, I don't know about you guys, but that kinda hits me between the eyes because I do sin and I do blow it at times. And I'm gonna be really honest. The world appeals to me at times. I would hope you could be that honest. And you could say that and all of a sudden, man, you're in that trap. And here's what, James slaps us in the face and he says, listen, man, if you do that, you make yourself out an enemy of God. Now he's not talking about you lose your salvation, you're gone, he's saying at those moments, you and God are on two different planes. And you and God are separated by you, not by God. So he lays that out there, and I think it's important again that we understand it's as bad as committing adultery on your spouse. I have to imagine that would be one of the most painful things in the world to either have your spouse commit adultery on you or you commit adultery. I I would, I would think that is so painful and he's wanting us to get in our relationship and understand our relationship with God is that close and that intimate and then he says or do you think in verse five that scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Now verse five, it's interesting verse five According to the scholars and the brainiacs that that uh, I hang out with in my library, they're saying verse five is one of the most difficult verses to translate and to interpret in almost all of the Bible, but especially in the book of James. And I'm thinking, I kind of I kind of like the way the New King James. But again, I'm not a, I'm not a, a Greek expert where I know the language and nuances. But listen the new king james interprets it this way that the spirit of god is jealous for us and he's jealous that our flesh that we would we would function in such a way that we would honor god and not go after the world i believe that i believe that's a truth in scripture i believe that god is jealous for us in a good way but another way to translate that is that our our spirit is always going towards envy and strife and our natural person is headed that way. So I kind of understand that too, but I like the idea that God is jealous for me. I like thinking about my God, concerned about my well-being spiritually. and He's jealous for my, my, my whole thought, my whole being to be focused on him. I'm jealous for my wife I'm not a jealous person you can ask her but I'm jealous for her I don't want bad things to happen to my wife I don't want stuff hurting her I don't want things coming at her and I believe she feels the same about me That's the context, I think, in which James is speaking. And he says, what's interesting is he says, you know, do you think the scripture says in vain? And then he doesn't quote a passage. He just kind of says, all of Scripture kind of points to this. And, and I guess that's where the irregularity comes from and the difficulty in interpreting this because, hey, Scripture speaks, I think, of both of those. Scripture says our, our spirit, kind of, our spirit, natural man, has a spirit of envy. And I think that's true. I think Scripture teaches that. But I think also Scripture teaches that God is jealous for us. So I'm going with God is jealous for us. And then He says, now we're getting into some of the correction ways to correct one through five and he says but in verse six but he gives more grace therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble man hey listen carefully because a lot of times here's what we think if there's issues between us and God we need more rules we need more regulations. We need to fix some things. We need, to, we need to make more law, et cetera, and we need to do this so we can fix it. Did you hear God's way of fixing it? Here's God's way of fixing it. You need more grace. I love that idea god is going to pour grace upon us and listen not that we now now don't take me wrong because some of you are going to go oh so if i go sin and get mad at god he's just going to do that no 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 no. don't go that direction my team in here is even laughing so good, now, don't take it that way but you need to understand the law kills grace gives life And here's what God is saying, man. You don't need more laws. You don't need more regulations. Here's what you need you need a greater understanding of my grace. And listen, I I think God has given us all the grace He's going to give us. So I don't think James is saying, hey, you know, some of you get this much grace and then some of you get this much. And I'm going to. No, here's what he's saying. I think we need a better understanding of grace. And we need to understand this principle. Listen carefully God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's quoting a proverb. Do you believe that? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In today's church, across the board, man, there's a whole bunch of celebrities. I don't think the Lord has room for celebrities. I believe the main celebrity in the body of Christ needs to be Christ, he needs to be the one lifted up, he needs to be the one exalted, he needs to be the one that everybody's looking at and that everyone's pointing to, not some celebrity. And he's saying, listen man, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, hey, that's a hard thing for us because I think we all have egos and I like to be liked. I don't like it when people say bad things. But I have to be careful that, hey, as I'm praying and as I'm, I, I'm presenting God's word and I'm giving out God's word, I gotta be careful that I'm not doing it so that people will think I'm good. I got to do it in such a way so that people will think God is good and God is great. And I think it goes for anybody serving in any way, in any capacity in the church. Why are we doing what we're doing? Do we want recognition? Do we want somebody to come and give us a pat on the back? If we're doing it for that, we need to understand something. That's a form of pride. We need to do what we do because we're servants. And he says, man, God gives grace to the humble. I love that idea. Let's do things with humility and not worry about, and we can worry about, well, so-and-so got to do this, well, so-and-so's doing that, well, you know, and -and so-and-so, why why do they get to do that? None of your business. As I'm thinking about that, I think of, of one of my favorite scenes in the Gospels is when Jesus is walking with John along the Sea of Galilee after he raised from the dead and John jumped in the water and swam over I'm sorry, Peter, not John. And, and he's walking with Peter. And him and Peter are having a conversation. Remember that scene? And they're having that conversation and John is following. It's in the book of John, but John is following and Peter and Jesus are having that conversation and, 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 and Jesus basically tells Peter, dude, when you die, it's gonna be ugly. And then Peter goes, what about him? Remember that? He turns around, what about him, Lord? And the Lord says, that's none of your business, Pete. And we need to understand that. Hey, the people around us are not our servants, they're his servant. And so we need to know that. So, hey, he gives He gives a grace to the humble. He resists, God resists the proud. Now look at verse seven. Here's the clencher of all clenchers of all clenchers. If you're struggling right now with this whole staying at home and social distancing and you're having a hard time, here's your key, listen carefully. Verse seven says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Woo, there it is. And you know, I, I know I'm a simple guy and I like to kind of read my Bible and believe it I don't like to make a big deal out of it I don't want to try and do some you know deep theological I don't want to try and tell you what every Greek word means and, and etc I'm a simple guy and when I read listen therefore I you know I do have enough enough you know uh, common sense or even a, enough education to realize hey I need to if there's a therefore I need to ask what the therefore is there for and the therefore is there because of verses 1 through 6 and he says listen. All of this conflict is going on. All of these struggles are going on. All of these difficulties are going on. And I know some of us right now, man, our life is a struggle. We are not happy. We're not content. And we're struggling. We're struggling to get through this time. We're kind of on the brink where we're thinking, I am going to go crazy if something doesn't change. I get that. But here's what God says. Where does that come from? It didn't come from God. It comes from your heart. It comes from within you. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. That's where it's coming from. So here's, here's the answer. Listen carefully. Here's the answer. Submit to God. Submit to God. Be faithful. Let the Lord know that you know that he knows right where you're at. You need to know something, man. This whole thing that's going on around the globe right now, God is not in heaven going, I surely didn't see that coming. What are we going to do about it? God knows the beginning from the end. He knows exactly when all this thing's going to wrap up. He knows, he knows when this whole thing's going to wrap up. I would like some insight on that, but he hasn't given it to me. But listen carefully, submit to him. He knows your circumstance better than you know your circumstance. Submit to God, resist the devil. Now, why does he say resist the devil? He will flee from you. Because, hey, you're either serving God or you're serving the devil, right? Again, got to quote another singer, Bob Dylan. You got to serve somebody. And we need to understand that. So listen, man, if you're drawn near to God and you're, you're, you're uh, submitting to God, then you're gonna resist the devil. That's just an outworking of that. And resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist those thoughts that are coming in your mind. Resist that flesh that is welling up. Resist the whole thing of getting angry. Get against that and submit to God. And then I love this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know that God is never going to reject you? You come near to God, he's not going to say, oh man, I'm sorry, I just really don't want to get close to you. You know, social distancing and all. No, man, I love this. Right now, right now, if you're feeling alone and you're feeling left out, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. He'll be there. And we need to know that, man. And Listen, man, to me, this is so important, especially with what's going on in our lives right now. And we need to understand that, man. Let's do that. Let's be a church that rises up to this occasion and let's be people, hey, you know what? All of this is going on, but it doesn't matter because my God is still on the throne. My God is still in control. My God knows exactly what's happening in my life. He even knows if you have enough toilet paper or not. Had to throw that in there. God knows. And some of you are going, well, he needs to get busy for me. But he knows, listen, draw near to him. Saints take advantage of this. Now, listen. All of that is kinda of talking about some spiritual stuff we need to do. This is just like getting our heart in the right place. Now we're gonna do some other stuff. Listen carefully, because there's, this is a positive of drawing near to God, but then there's a negative because we've blown it. Any of you blown it this week? Well, how about this morning? Sure. You don't have to raise your hand. Your family knows. So listen to what he says. Draw near to God in verse 8. He will draw near to you. Now listen to this part. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn. Weep and let your laughing be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now that's some pretty heavy stuff. And it's interesting because there are people who say, hey, he says wash your hands, you sinners. He sure, You sinners, he surely can't be talking to the church. He's talking to unbelievers. Well, Again, I'm a simple guy. I don't think the Bible was written to unbelievers. I think the Bible was written to believers. I know, as an unbeliever, I never once read the Book of James. I never even got close to the Book of James. I tried maybe reading Galatians once or twice. Maybe I'm I'm sorry, not Galatians. Genesis. It's both we'll start with a G. So I remember trying to do that. I remember maybe reading part of a gospel occasionally, but unbelievers don't get in and go, hey, I know what, man, we're sitting around. We have COVID-19 going on. We got nothing happening. Let's read the book of James. I think this is written to believers. Believers. And I think he's calling believers sinners. Why? Because we're acting like the world. He's just said you committed adultery on God. You're acting like the world. So here's what he says first and foremost cleanse your hands, wash your hands. Hey, is that a message for today or what? I am so tired of washing my hands. so this whole thing, man, and, and, you know, you got to wash your hands. And I remember when it first started, somebody said, hey, you got to do it for 20 seconds. So you got to sing happy birthday twice. And, And I tried doing that, but I was just doing this happy birthday, happy birthday. And Hey, and then then I watched Alton Brown, and he told me how to wash my hands properly. And you got different things going on. So all of us have our different ways of doing things. You count to five, five times. You count to, you know, happy birthday twice or whatever. And we're washing and washing and washing and washing. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that people finally started washing their hands. (laughs) I think it's a great thing. Hallelujah. But he's not talking about that. He's saying, hey, clean up your act, sinners. And here's the thing, man, if you're sinning, clean up your act clean up the external, and then also purify your heart, you double-minded, because part of you, part of your mind is, I want to walk with Christ, but part of your mind is, I really love the things of the world. Here's the thing I know, that world system, all of that, it has an allure for us. If it didn't, we would run from it, but it draws us. Satan is smart. He knows how to draw us in and pull us in. So all of that is going on, and he says, listen, man, you got to purify your heart. What is the best way to purify my heart? getting in God's word. Right now, man, we have the opportunity. Read your Bible. Read your Bible as families gathered together and, and, and read it together. Talk about it together. Find some really good spiritual book to read together. Get involved. Get involved in spiritual things and that will purify your heart. You double-minded, you'll start focusing on Jesus and on God and guess what? The devil's gonna flee from you. Why? Because you're resisting him. And then, and then he talks about in verse, uh, in verse nine, and verse nine's heavy, Lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to uh, mourning and your joy to gloom. Listen, he's not telling us we need to be these gloomy people about our circumstances. Here's what he's saying. You need to be that brokenhearted over your sin. You should be somebody who... You're overwhelmed. You're lamenting and you're mourning and you're weeping and you know, hey, you're having a, you were laughing about something that was ugly. Now you, that needs to be turned to to mourning. And you had joy in the things of the world, but that needs to be turned to gloom. You need to be that person who you're broken hearted about what you have done. And again, not talking about what you go around the whole time like. But did you your understanding? I kind of liken this to marriage. When I hurt my wife, notice I said when, not if. When I hurt my wife, it breaks my heart, bums me out. I hate it when I'm a jerk. I hate it when I do the wrong thing. Well, shouldn't I feel that way about my Lord? That's all James is saying, man. Let it penetrate your heart. Here's what James is saying. Get your eyes off of the things of the world and get your eyes on the Lord. And again, I'm not talking material. I'm talking about all the, and get your, and focus on him. And man, all of this. And then, and then here's, here's my favorite this part. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Going through a hard time right now? Is it difficult in your home? Then humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And here's what's gonna happen. He will lift you up. And when the Lord lifts you up, you are lifted up. The other things prop you up. Listen carefully. The world props you up and it gets you to a place and then it jerks the props out and you fall, and you fall hard. But God lifts you up. He lifts you up so, hey, we need to humble ourselves and, and you know, how do we do that? Well, one, we begin to act like servants of God, not demanders of God. We be people who are concerned about our God, concerned about, about what we're doing to project him to others. How are we acting? What are the things we're saying? And right now, in your family, Is your actions in your family making other people in your family want more of Jesus or less of Jesus? Are your actions making people want to draw closer to him or not? Humble yourself. And part of humbling yourself is being real with God and open with God and telling him, hey, look, Lord, I know this is what I've done. And I hate doing that. So humble yourselves and he will lift you up. So as we wrap this up, Why are they conflicts? Why do these wars? Why this turmoil in our lives? Well, it's simple. It's because we're not following God. It's simple, it's because we're not, we're not drawing near to him. We're not submitting to him. And so we're dealing with things that, you know what, we never thought we would deal with, we never thought we would go through. And it's hard, I understand, it's hard for some people. But the answer isn't fighting and struggling and striving. And eh. The answer is praying to God. And by praying to him, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna have to draw near to him. You're gonna have to submit to him. And you're gonna be somebody, hey, you know what? You're gonna come to him, with some humility and some reality. And then here's what he says, God will give you grace. And that is when it's going to change our lives, change our perspective, change what's going on. So man, my prayer is we would take what James says and we would heed it in our hearts and in our lives and we would let him, and we would let these words impact us so that things are different for us. Hey, let's all stand up and pray. Father, we, uh, we do thank you for your word, God, and we thank you for the challenge that we read this morning. And, and Lord, I know right now, I know some of the people watching right now, I know they're desperate. I know they're hurting big time. And so I pray that God, you would touch them right now. I pray that in this moment, as our hearts are bowed, that you would bring healing in their hearts, that you would bring that that realization of how good you are into their minds, into their hearts, that they would draw near to you and resist the devil, and he will flee from them. God, just be with them, bless them, encourage them, and, and Lord, heal the hurt that's there, I pray for families right now that you will work in a mighty way in those families. God, that their families would be rejuvenated by your word and encouraged. And Lord, if apologies need to be made, I pray that brothers and sisters, not, not physical, but saints in the church would be real and they would humble themselves. They would humble themselves in the sight of the Lord and know that you will lift them up. So God, do your work and in our fellowship, scattered around this city, scattered around this state, scattered around this country, around this world, people who are watching right now, Lord, kill and work in their lives and bless them and draw their hearts close to your heart. And God, I pray that they would know they have a God who cares and a God who knows. And I'm gonna ask everyone who, who has that relationship with the Lord, I'm gonna ask you to stay in that attitude of prayer and hey, if you're online right now and you do not have a relationship with the Lord, I wanna talk to you and I want you to look at me and open up your eyes and look at me. Jesus loves you. My Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you need to know that and you need to understand that. Now, to understand that, here's some things that you've got to get in your head and in your heart. Number one is you have sinned against the Holy God. How do I know that? I don't know you, but I know that you have. Why? Because my Bible says everyone has sinned, everyone. So I know you've sinned against the Holy God. I don't know what degree, but it doesn't matter. You've sinned against the Holy God, and right now all you deserve is His wrath. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came and he took your sin upon himself and he took it to the cross and he bore your punishment. He bore the wrath of God for you. And now here's what he does. Now he offers you forgiveness. And here's how you receive that forgiveness. You put your trust in what Jesus has done. So that's all you gotta do. That's good news. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna say a prayer. You can repeat this prayer after me and listen man, not, not you can, you need to. Again, if you're watching me and you're one of those who don't know, say this prayer after me and God will hear you and you will be born again. So Jesus, right now, this morning, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. And God, I pray for every single person right now. Lord, just draw our hearts close to your heart. Be glorified in our lives and be exalted in our words and in our actions. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in this morning. Glad you've done that. If you said that prayer, a uh, couple things. We're going to ask that you text us to 520-210-3678. Text and let us know you said that prayer. And then also, you can go on our website, calvarysv.org. Right in the beginning there, we have things for new believers. You can check on that. You can get some of that information. Hey, we want you to be ministered to. But the hey, the best way, send us a text and we'll contact you and get a hold of of you. So make sure you do that.